Hello, and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. On this week's show, my colleague Micah Drew stops by to update us on the Northwest Montana Fair and Rodeo, which is one of the few county fairs in the state set to move forward and scheduled to begin on Wednesday, August 19th. We'll talk about what steps fair organizers have taken to make the event as safe as possible amid the current pandemic and why they've decided to keep the fair on the schedule as others around the state have been scaled back significantly or canceled altogether. Then stay tuned after that conversation to hear the latest numbers on COVID-19 and get caught up on the rest of the biggest news stories from the last seven days. And before any of that, a quick plug for the Flathead Beacon Editors Club, the reader-driven group that makes podcasts like this one possible. Membership in the Editor's Club starts at $5 per month and includes great bonus perks like one of our Glacier National Park prints each year and access to exclusive bonus episodes of our true crime podcast, Project 7, which is available anywhere you listen. To sign up or become a member, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. Again, that's beaconeditorsclub.com. And now, without further delay... Here's this week's featured conversation. And joined today by Beacon staff writer Micah Drew to talk a little bit about the Northwest Montana Fair and Rodeo, which is uh, coming up here in just about a week. Before we talk about that, Micah, thank you very much for, uh, for stopping by and doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to talk about the fair. So, yeah, August is uh, always fair season, a normally festive time of year. Big event right here in Kalispell. Obviously going to look a little different this year, but for folks who are maybe out of the area or haven't been before, what what does the Northwest Montana Fair typically look like? So the fair is definitely the the biggest event for the summer uh, in Flathead Valley, Flathead County in general. Uh, normally, it's a five-day affair with a carnival, usually with about 30 rides. Um, there's usually a pretty big country concert, several days of rodeo, a demolition derby, and then all of the usual 4-H events, um, FFA events, exhibits and vendors, and everything else you would expect to see in a fair, as well as a parade in downtown Kalispell. Uh, last year, they had an attendance record of 79,300 people showing up. So that's kind of what's expected. Uh, we're not sure yet what this year's attendance will look like. But you can imagine that there's a lot of people hungry to go out and uh, go to an event for the first time over the summer. And obviously there are different factors in making decisions on how many people can gather in certain places, indoors versus outdoors, with however much distance apart at certain times. But 79,000 seems like way more than, uh, than anybody is recommending get together what is the argument and, and what is what do organizers imagine the fair is going to look like uh, in terms of attendance this year? So the fair is organized by the county fair board. Um, so there's a group of people. They make most of the decisions. And then uh, Mark Campbell is the fairgrounds manager. And so he's kind of the point person for that. So they've been working very hard for months to figure out a way to put on this event while adhering to guidelines set by the City County Health Department, as well as by the state of Montana and the CDC, just to make this as safe an event as possible. Obviously, there's there's it's not very likely we will see all 80,000 people showing up again, but it is still going to be a big event. So they've been working to downsize things as much as possible, put in as many public safety changes as possible to keep people safe. So 
Uh, so there will not be a parade in downtown Kalispell anymore. Uh, the carnival as of last week is also no longer going to happen, so there will be no rides to go on. There's not going to be a beer garden. There will not be a party pit at the concert. So that will eliminate a lot of the densest gatherings of people. So that's the first thing they've done. Otherwise, there's just going to be the regular social distancing guidelines. Masks are going to be required if you're on site. If you're sitting in the stadium to watch the rodeo, there will be seat spacers to try to keep people a good distance apart for the rodeo and for the concert. They've installed 60 or 65 hand sanitizing stations all over the fairgrounds. They've made most of the indoor venues one way in, one way out to try to keep the flow of traffic moving and keep people spaced out. So they really are trying to do everything possible to keep the density of people as low as possible. And, you know, you do have 45 acres of fairgrounds for people to kind of space out a little bit. Yeah, the the spacing, though, you mentioned a few things there, but when people are walking around or standing outside a particular booth or, or doing whatever they're, they're doing at the fair, how is it possible and how do they argue they're going to be able to keep people six feet apart to be able to maintain social distancing? Is there a, a way to enforce that? So a big part of, of what they will be relying on is the responsibility of our flathead citizens and all the visitors to the fair. There is going to be a lot of impetus put on the visitors to be as safe as possible in order to allow them to show up. So masking will be required. So that is at least one thing to do. You're not supposed to stay within six feet of a party that's not from your own household. Again, that's not exactly enforceable. So it's a lot of um, self-responsibility there. They have stated that if necessary, they can enact a trespassing ordinance against somebody who is refusing to follow the uh, the guidelines and rules set out. So they can pull that out, but it's really going to be on the fairgoers to make sure that they have a safe experience there. This has been uh, a bit of a controversial subject over the last several weeks as, as some of these decisions have been made. You know, let, let's start with the fair organizers, and, and you mentioned Mark Campbell in particular, in their perspective. Why have they made the choice to not just cancel this thing and decide to move forward, even with all these restrictions in place with the fair this year? So the fair board has said repeatedly that this is not a monetary decision. Um, their primary reason for wanting the fair to go forward is for the students that are participating in 4-H and FFA. Um, they have a record number, record number of participants this year, and so they really think that that educational component is so important to these kids that that is, that is the primary reason they're going forward with it. That being said, most fairs around the state have canceled their fairs with the exception of 4-H and FFA, so that's kind of where the uh, controversy starts to come in on why they have not decided to limit it that far down. And... They do believe that they can do this safely, and they have been working with the health board to make sure that every plan they put in place is approved and that it is considered a safe environment to whatever extent we can call that in this day and age. And just to be clear, we mentioned the city county health board, the the Flathead County commissioners, whatever other government entities oversee this, who ultimately makes this final decision on whether or not the fair happens and, and what form it takes? So there are there are a few levels of authority that can kind of come into play here. The fair board makes the the main decision. So as of right now, they're going forward with it. 
They have stated that if anything does change or they no longer think that they can do it safely, that they will cancel it or scale it all the way down. But they have the, the initial authority. The Flathead County commissioners have oversight over the fair board, but have stated that they are leaving everything in the hands of the fair board. And then over with the health board, the county health officer does have the authority to shut down or limit any events that are a public safety hazard. So the current public health officer, Tamalee St. James Robinson, she could shut this event down, but she has stated that she wants that to be a decision of the health board in general. So they would have to come together to make that decision. Otherwise, it could come down from the statewide level if the governor was to put out a another ordinance saying that there would be a, a limit of how many people can gather, which could effectively shut down the fair. Has there been any indication that something like that could happen? As of yet, it doesn't seem like it. However, there's a group of healthcare providers in Flathead Valley that have signed on to a letter stating that they want the fair size down only to 4-H and FFA. Um, and by the last count, there was around 330 uh, healthcare workers that signed on to that, which I think we're getting up to a majority of the healthcare workers in the Valley. And they have sent that letter to the city of Kalispell, the fair board, the health board, and to the governor's office. But as of yet, we haven't heard a response from any of those upper levels. What about pushback from the other direction? Has there, have there been voices opposed to some of the, the measures that the fair board has taken, whether it involves masks or the carnival being canceled or uh, attendance limits puts on, put on the, the rodeo and the concert? There have been a, a few pushbacks. I mean, since the fair is actually going on, those have been a little bit muted because there is still an event to go to. I was talking to Mark Campbell over at the fair the other day, and he did say that he has given a number of refunds for both the rodeo and the concert from fairgoers who state that they don't want to go to a fair and be forced to wear a mask, and they think that'll ruin the experience. So there's been a little bit of people kind of pulling back and deciding that they don't want to go under this, you know, rule-laden fair event. But because there's still a fair, people can can kind of rally behind that. Well, we, uh, we are sitting here recording on August 11th. The fair begins in eight days. Last thing before I, I let you go, do you expect anything to change? And I guess what, what meetings, what, uh, what is still out there that could change the course of the fair before we get to next week? I mean, eight days out seems like a, a not much time for, for much to change. There is a health board meeting that will take place on Thursday. I believe they might be talking about last-minute decisions about the fair and uh, school closures as well, but they could do something. Otherwise, it could come from the governor's office, but everybody involved is monitoring the, the situation with the coronavirus in the valley and in the county, and unless there's some drastic change with our statistics on that level, I think we're going to have a fair this year. Well, Micah, great reporting on this so far. We'll keep reading in the next week to uh, see what happens. And, uh, and thanks for joining me up here today. Thank you. As always, you can read so much more of our fair coverage and other news in this week's Flathead Beacon. And you can catch all of Micah's reporting and browse our entire archive of stories for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last week as of Tuesday, August 11th at 11 p.m. Another week and another 800 or so confirmed COVID-19 infections reported in Montana, 
with the state sitting now at 5,104 total cases as of this recording. Nearly 1,500 of those cases are currently active. Weekly case numbers are actually down slightly from the prior seven days, a welcome bit of good news, but the pace of growth is still significantly faster than it was in the spring and early summer. There have now been 77 coronavirus-related deaths in Montana, with 13 new deaths added since last Monday. Flathead County's active caseload sits at 65, a number that adjusted drastically downward last week due to an apparent reporting error. Still, those 65 cases are the fourth most of any county in the state and more than one-time hotspot Gallatin County, which has just 30 active cases. There are 11 people hospitalized due to COVID-19 complications in Flathead County, according to the latest numbers. In response to the coronavirus pandemic, Governor Steve Bullock last week allowed Montana counties to conduct mail-only elections on November 3rd in an effort to protect residents and poll workers. No decision has been made in Flathead County as of this recording, but if the county did move forward with mail ballots, the election would be conducted exactly the same way as the June primary was. All 56 Montana counties used mail ballots for that primary, which resulted in record turnout. If Flathead County officials do opt for the mail ballots, they would be sent out on October 9th, and those who still preferred to vote in person would be able to do so. In other news, the two most notable wildfires in northwest Montana are now trending in the right direction. On Bird Island near Finley Point on Flathead Lake, a wildfire that was reported on August 3rd has calmed, even as officials concluded that actively fighting the wildfire would be financially and logistically challenging. The Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes Fire Division conducted aerial drops on day one, but no further efforts were made on the 30-acre island that is used by Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks as a nesting habitat for Canadian geese. Farther south, the Magpie Rock Fire near Dixon is now 75% contained and no growth has been reported since August 2nd. The fire was as large as 3,500 acres and burned dense, steep terrain on an isolated part of the Flathead Indian Reservation. And finally, the federal indictment of a security firm CEO late last month is reverberating in the Flathead Valley. The man, Matthew Marshall, was also a volunteer at the Whitefish Police Department, whose relationship with Whitefish's chief, Bill Dial, was twice investigated by the Montana Department of Justice. Marshall faces 10 fraud-related counts related to a years-long scheme in which he built a wealthy venture capitalist, identified by the Beacon as Michael Gogan, out of millions of dollars for off-the-books CIA operations, Gogan is the same man who is being sued in Flathead County District Court by the Whitefish Police Chief, Bill Dial. The whole saga is worth a read, so check out my colleague Tristan Scott's full story for all the details at flatheadbeacon.com. That's all for this week, but do remember to pick up the beacon out on newsstands wherever you find it, and keep checking back to flatheadbeacon.com for all the latest. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, thanks for listening.